Today we're going to go to Psalm chapter 10. That's where I want to go today. Psalm chapter 10. This is another Psalm of Lament. Uh, we are continuing on in our series, Learning Lament, and uh, just kind of pressing into what's it look like to respond to God in a biblical way through our pain and through our struggling together. And so we're going to use this Psalm as another example of the Psalms of Lament uh, to teach us the next step. So there's four steps in biblical lament. We talked about the first one a couple weeks ago. That was turning to God. Today, we're going to look at the second step, which is to complain to God in honesty. And then next couple weeks, we'll look at the third and fourth step of ask and trust. So those are still coming ahead for us. But um, as I was thinking on this this week, I was thinking about complaint and complaining to God. Um, Some of you know this story already, but my wife, Courtney, she was diagnosed with cancer um, back in the fall of 2016. And it was right at the end of a very long and grueling core group phase for us. We had been working for two years to kind of build a core group to help plant the church. And it had been a, a long, treacherous road. And we'd finally gotten there. We got our 50 people. We were getting ready. We set a launch date. Everything was moving forward. Everything was looking good. And then after we set the launch date, Courtney finds out that she is cancer and is going to need a surgery uh, there over the holiday season um, and then would have, uh, have to start um, and then have a long recovery from that surgery leading up to launch Sunday. Um, but we continued to press forward and so we had our big launch Sunday on January 15th and the church launched and we, everything got started off and then the day after we launched she started a, uh, a long and treacherous uh, radiation and chemo regimen that would last most of that next year. And in the midst of all of that, I remember thinking back through that process, and we had come to that place where we had, we had been in ministry, and we had been following Christ long enough that we, had, we already had a, a theology of suffering. Like, we understood that, like, all of us live in a broken world, and we're all going to suffer at times. We're all going to have pain and, and hardship come at us. We're not exempt just because I'm a pastor or because we're, you know, a, a pastor's family. Like, that doesn't We don't get out of that just because we're in that role. So we knew that that wasn't abnormal. So our question wasn't so much like, why is this happening, God? The question always was, why now? (laughs) Right? Like, this is like the most terrible timing. Like, we, Courtney's still young. Our girls are young. Like, they need their mother. Like, there's a chance here that she might not be with us long term. Um, We we have, right in the middle of our, our biggest step of faith, our biggest step of ministry in our entire lives, like why now? Why now? Like we're planting this church for you, God, and we're finally here, and it's finally happening, and why now? That was the question, but it wasn't just a question. It was also kind of a complaint, Right? Because in asking that question, we're saying, God, like, you messed up. <laughs> like, like, you got this wrong. Like, this, this isn't the way it's supposed to work out. I think you missed something. And we're complaining about the injustice of it, or what we see, saw as injustice. The big difference, though, was Courtney, my wife, she was asking those questions out loud. She was crying out and asking, like, Lord, where are you at? What are you doing? For me, I was asking those questions internally, right? Because I didn't think that I really had the right to ask God that. 
After all, he's God. I'm not, right? Like, who am I to, like, come at him with that? I didn't, I didn't feel like I could honestly own my question, that I could honestly own my complaint before the Lord. And because I kind of kept it stuffed in, it just increased the struggle. It increased the suffering through that season for me internally. And I think that comes back to the idea that is ingrained in me. I think it's ingrained in a lot of us that to complain, complain is just kind of a, a negative word. Do you feel that? Do you, do you kind of have that sense inside of you? Like to complain is like a bad thing. Right? Nobody likes a complainer. Right? Like, nobody wants to be around a complainer all the time. Like, like we feel like it's wrong. We feel like it's, like it's this bad thing or negative thing. But I think it's important for us to ask this question, is complaining wrong? Is complaining even sinful? Because I think the Bible would say no. And here's why. In fact, all throughout the Psalms, we see multiple Psalms over and over again in Scripture where God gave his people permission to complain. Not even permission, he encouraged them to take their complaints, to write them into songs that they would then sing back to him over and over again and over again. So if that's the way that God dealt with complaining, obviously there's some way that it fits into our faith. There's some way that it actually works and is helpful to us as we walk through this life, as we try to follow God. And so complaint can actually be a very good thing because in the midst of our complaints, it shows that we are still believing in God. That we still believe that he is who he says he is. Otherwise, we wouldn't bother to take our complaints to him in the first place. It actually keeps the communication open with the Lord in the midst of our struggles. And we can express our disappointment. We can express our frustration while still moving toward the Lord in our pain. And so here's, here's the big idea this morning I want you to see in Psalm chapter 10. Complaining rightly to God in lament lights the path to restoration. Complaining rightly, we're going to get to the rightly part in just a second. Complaining rightly to God in lament lights the path to restoration. So, if you've got your Bibles open, look at Psalm chapter 1. I'm sorry, Psalm chapter 10, verse 1. It says, Why, O Lord... Do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? So the first point this morning is simply this. Complain to the right person. If we're going to complain, biblically, in a way that's helpful, we have to complain to the right person. He starts off here in verse 1. He says, why, O Lord? And notice there, Lord is in... Is it like that in your Bible? It's got like the little mini caps, right? The capital letters? Anytime it's like that in Scripture, we know that that's the translation of the personal name of God. That could be translated Yahweh, right? Or I am. The name that God gave to his people, the name that God gave to Israel, so that they could have a personal relationship with him, so they could speak to him, so they could pray, so they could know him. This is the same Yahweh who called Moses to deliver his people from captivity at the burning bush. This is the same God, Yahweh, who rescued them from slavery, who who defeated the powerful 
Pharaoh, the king over all of the land in that day and time. The same Yahweh who, who saved them at the Red Sea when all hope was lost and He parted the waters and they crossed on dry land. The same Yahweh who was with them, leading them through the wilderness for years and years with a pillar of smoke and a pillar of fire. And the same Yahweh who came down and dwelt with them in the midst of the tabernacle to be with His people, to be near them, to be with them. Their God who has always been near them, who's been among them, and now He says, O Lord Yahweh, why do you stand far away? Why are you distant, God? Why are you absent? Why have you removed yourself? Why are you no longer helping us? Why are you leaving us alone in this struggle? That's the question that he's asking of the Lord. He's He's essentially throwing God's nature, God's character, God's promises, he's throwing it back in his face. Like, God, you're supposed to be the God who's with us, who's among us, and you're not here. Hey, God, you're not like right now. That's what the psalmist is saying. That's his complaint in this opening question. Do you feel the, do you feel the frustration? The doubt? The, the disappointment? the struggle. When have you felt like this in your life? I, I don't think this is unique to him. When have you felt like God was absent? When he was distant? I think most of us have been there at some point because it's, it's only human to feel that at times. And sometimes I think in those moments when we feel that, we feel guilty. We, we, we struggle because we feel like that's like, an, like a sinful thought. But I don't think it is. I think it's a real thought. I think it's a real, valid emotion that sometimes, for whatever reason, we don't feel like God is near. And it's okay for us to tell Him that. It's okay to voice that to the Lord. Because as we're voicing that complaint of God, where are you? you don't, I don't feel you. I don't see you. You're absent. As we're voicing that complaint, it's again affirming in our faith that we believe that he's a God who shouldn't be. We believe that he's a God who should be near, who should be among us, who should be with us. That's the God we believe in. That's where our faith lies. That's what we're looking for. And as we're saying, God, where are you? We're actually saying, God, please show me yourself again. And that's a good thing. And so the question I think here is, as we come to these moments of struggle and pain, where we're feeling this need to complain to God, how do we respond? How do we do it rightly? according to the Bible. I typically see three types of response from people when we get in these situations. Two, not what we want. The third is what we see here in the Scriptures. The first one is anger. A lot of people, when they get to this place of pain and struggle with God, they get into a place of anger, and this, the pain leads to rage inside of them, and then their, our pride starts to well up, 
and we start to, to get angry with God. But that is not biblical lament. That's not biblical complaint. You see, we never have permission to be self-centered in our anger and in our rage. We, we never have the right to be angry with God. Right? After all, He's God. We're not. But, oftentimes when we go there, those, that anger can lead to chains of despair and, and bitterness and, and sometimes even unbelief. Because we start to distance ourselves from the God that we're angry with. And so when we're talking about complaint here, biblical complaint, we're not talking about anger. We're not talking about being angry and just railing at God. That's not what it looks like. The other response that I oftentimes see on the other side of it uh, is not anger, but actually denial. Right? This denial of, no, 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 everything's good. I'm fine. No problems here. God's got this. I'm just going to sail through. Don't worry about me. Everything's good. But it's not. It's not good. Because there's real pain in our lives sometimes. And professing this false contentment doesn't help us. It actually distances us from the Lord. Because in expressing that false contentment, we're actually living a lie. We're lying to ourselves that everything's okay. We're lying to God that we've got this under control, that we don't need Him. And we're not walking in, in honesty with the Lord. And, and as we push that hurt and that pain down in our lives, it becomes this hidden hurt inside of us that just starts to eat away at us like an infection from the inside out. So God doesn't want us to be living in anger. He doesn't want us to be living in denial. He wants us to do what the psalmist does here in chapter 10. Honest complaint to God. Like, in all honesty, just bring your struggles, your complaints to the Lord. Now notice I said to God, right? It's important there. Not just to anyone. We're supposed to bring the complaints to the Lord. So often when we're suffering, so oftentimes when we're struggling, when we're in pain, we want to complain, we want to tell somebody, but we're so quick to tell everybody else instead of God. For some of you, it's not everybody else because you keep things close to to the vest, but like, you want to go to coffee with that one person that you can just like, and you'll, you'll, you'll sit there for hours complaining to this person about your situation when they can't really do anything to help you. Instead, the first place we need to go, the first person we need to complain to is not each other, it's the Lord, right? Like, spend as much time or more time talking to him about it as you would anybody else on the face of the earth. He's the one who can help. He's the one who actually wants to hear, who wants to come alongside you and meet you in the midst of that struggle. Complain to God first and foremost. And as you spend time talking to him, like, as you, listen, it's, it's okay. He already knows, right? Like, do you get this? Like, he already knows what you're thinking. He already knows the complaints that you have. So voicing them is not going to, like, catch God off guard. He's not going to be like, oh, wow, I didn't see that one coming. What am I going to do with that? 
Like, he knows. But as you start talking to him about it, it starts the conversation again. And you actually start drawing closer to God through your complaining. Because now somebody's listening who can actually help. Venting to others just keeps us in this kind of like cycle of misery. (laughs) Instead of taking it to the Lord. Communicating our complaints to God takes us off of the cliff of anger. It takes us out of the cave of denial. And it puts us on a firm path back into the presence of the Almighty God. You know, my first career out of college, I was actually not a ministry major. This wasn't my first thing. I was actually a teacher for many years. I, I taught high school history and psychology. And, and when I was in the first four, couple years of teachers, I went into this position. And, and in our wing of the school, there was like this common room where all the teachers would gather for lunch, and they would sit and have lunch together and stuff. And so I was like, well, you know, I want to be part of the community. I want to be invested with my cohorts. So I, I went in there. I was like, I'll go, go be a part of this. And so I go in there. And um, as I got there, it became very clear very quickly that it wasn't so much just like a lunch. It was a complaining session, right? Like, like they would just go in there. They would just complain about parents and teachers and administrators, and students, and pretty much anyone who wasn't in the room, okay? Like, if you weren't there, you were on the agenda for the complaining. And so, very quickly, I decided, this isn't where I want to eat lunch, all right? So, I went and found another spot, but I learned an important lesson through that experience, which was all of their complaining that they did day in and day out, over and over and over again, achieved absolutely nothing because they were complaining to the wrong person. If they really had an issue with a parent or an administrator or another teacher, they should have went and talked to that person about it so they could work it out. Otherwise, nothing gets resolved. The same thing happens with us and God. When you're struggling with something, when you're in pain, when when you have some complaints, don't tell everybody else. Take it to God. He's the one who needs it to know. He's the one who who can actually help and do something and respond to you in that moment. Now, if if your complaint also has to deal with somebody else, okay, then yeah, you need to eventually talk to them as well. But second, you go and you talk to God first, you complain to Him first, and let Him walk you through it. Let Him work in your heart, and then eventually He can get you to that better place. Talk to the right person. Take your complaints to God before anyone else. That's the main point, number one. But there's more to Psalm 10, so let's go back to Psalm 10 again. Look at verse 1 again. It says, Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Point number two, complain for the right reason. For the right reason. So, Oftentimes what you're going to see as we look at this psalm, as you look at other psalms, is the complaints, they oftentimes show up in the form of questions, right? Like here in verse 1, why do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourselves in times of trouble? The the psalmist here in this Psalm 10, he's seen some type of justice. He's seen some type of of struggle and some type of, of wrong in front of him, and he's crying out to God on behalf of whatever it is that is going on in his presence, 
And he's asking God, like, why are you doing this? Why are you allowing this? He's frustrated that God is allowing this to continue to go on. But then he goes, and he kind of dials it up a, a notch. He says, why do you hide yourself? So now he's not just accusing God of, of not seeing it. He's accusing God of, like, an active disinterest. Right? God, you're not just ignorant about what's going on. You're purposely ignoring it. Why do you hide yourself? Awkward, right? Like, like he's really bringing some heat at God right there. Again, accusing God of not being very godlike. And we see these types of questions all throughout the Psalms. Let me give you a couple other examples from other Psalms just so you can kind of see that this isn't like a one-off thing, Okay? First of all, Psalm 13, 1 through 2, says this. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Psalm 22, 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? That one might sound familiar. That's actually the lament that Jesus himself quoted on the cross as he's getting ready to die for the sins of the world. Jesus complained to God from the cross. Psalm 44, 23 through 24 says, Awake, why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself, do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? 7410, how long, O God, is the foe to scoff, is the enemy to revile your name forever? 8814, O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Questions after questions, and that's just the short list. We could go on and on and on reading these from the Psalms. These questions of complaint. Why? Why are they there? Why did God include them in the Holy Scriptures? Because there's great value in voicing our questions of complaint to God because it keeps us talking to Him and draws us closer to Him in the midst of our pain. So sometimes the complaints show up as questions, but sometimes they show up as just like venting frustrations, which is pretty much the rest of Psalm chapter 10. So take a look at verse 2. It says, In arrogance... The wicked hotly pursue the poor. They let them be caught in schemes that they have devised. For the wicked, wicked boasts of the desires of his soul, and the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. It's like, God, why are you allowing this? Why are you letting them take advantage of the poor? And why are you letting them mistreat these people? And why are you letting them spit in your face? And look at verse 4. It says, In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, There is no God. I can do whatever I want. It really comes to a head in verse 5. He says, His ways prosper at all times. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like you're looking out and you're like, man, God, I'm trying to follow you, and everybody else who isn't, they always win. (laughs) They're always the one who get it good. Like, what is up with that? That's what he says here. The wicked, their ways always prosper. 
Your judgments are on high, out of his sight. As for all his foes, he puffs at them. Verse 6, he says in his heart, I shall not be moved. Throughout all generations, I shall not meet adversity. His mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. God, all they do is sin. All they do is speak lies, and you let it keep going. Verse 8, he sits in ambush in the villages, in hiding places. He murders the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. He lurks in ambush like a lion in his thicket. This isn't an accident, God. This isn't something that they're kind of falling into. They are purposefully premeditating to go after these people. He lurks that he may seize the poor. Seize the poor when he draws them into his net. The helpless are crushed. Crushed, God. You're sitting up there watching and they're being crushed. They sink down. They fall by his might. He says in his heart, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. See, in this list here of frustrations, the psalmist starts to bring very specific complaints to God. Did you see all the detail in there? Right? Like, he's not just, it's not just some kind of general statement. He's bringing all of the specific things that he sees, that he feels, that he knows are wrong, and he's laying them at the feet of God through frustration and complaint. And he uses these complaints to call out to God to redirect his own heart, to move towards God who he believes can do something about it. I think this is important because oftentimes in our humanity, pain has a tendency to turn us inward. Doesn't it? Right? When the pain, when the struggle comes, we can get turned in where all we're thinking about, all we're looking at is just us. And we get stuck in it. We get so focused on ourselves and and the sorrow that we're in, the pain that we're in just takes over our lives and it seems like nothing else matters. Nothing else is important. Nothing else can touch this because I am in pain. It puts blinders on us and it blocks out everything else except for us and our pain. And when that happens and when it goes unchecked, it leads to this kind of like self-centered emotional spiral that just goes down and down and down. So how do we break out of this? How do we break through this self-centered pain? We list our complaints in detail to God. We do exactly what the psalmist did. Like, Literally, get a piece of paper, get a pencil, and write them down. Make a list. For some of y'all younger kids, pencil and paper, you can get that at Walmart, you can go buy some of that, or use your phone, you got a notes app, I don't care, just like write it down. List it out for the Lord. And as you start, here's what happens, as you start to write down all your complaints, all your struggles, they start to lose their power over you. Because as long as they're just in here, or just in here, they're just swirling around and they're like this big tornado of emotion and you can't get a handle on it and you can't, like, it just consumes you. But if you take it and you write it down and you list them out 
they start to lose that control, they start to lose that power, and as you make that list, that list then becomes your prayer list. And you start praying those complaints back to God. Just like the psalmist did. You start praying these complaints back to the Lord so that He can meet you in the midst of them. And as you start to write them out, as you start to pray them out, you start to be able to see more clearly through the pain, through the struggle. God starts to open your eyes and show you the path back to Him in the midst of the pain. I'll give you a personal example. Um, I, I love my wife dearly. She is by far the best thing that has ever happened to me outside of Jesus. But, but we're married, and we're a couple just like everybody else. And so there are some times in our house where we don't always see eye to eye, some, where some, some things can get hot, and some things can get contested, and some, some frustration can come out. And so, I remember this one time in particular in our marriage, just several years back now, where I, I was just getting especially frustrated with her over some things. And I just I like had like this growing list of frustrations and complaints in my heart and in my head. And I, I was like, man, I got to talk to her about this. I, I got to confront her about this. We, we got to get this settled. But I knew, I could tell, like my mind, my, it was just too jumbled. I had too much, like it was just... I was too much in the emotion, so I was like, I'm going to write this down, I'm going to make a list so I can have something to go off of so I'm not just like ranting when we talk. And so I started to, to write this list down of all the complaints and all the frustrations that I was having. And as I was making that list, the Holy Spirit started speaking to me. And he said, hey, it's good that you're making a list, but before you go and talk to her, before you take this list to her, I want you to pray on it. I want you to pray over this list before you go and talk to her. I was like, okay, I'll do that. So I started praying over the list. I started reading this list. And I started seeing praying as I was reading. God revealed to me that about 90% of the stuff on that list had absolutely nothing to do with her. It was either me being selfish or it was just me being self-focused and self-centered and, or it was just silly stuff. You know how sometimes you get the silly stuff, you just make big stuff out of silly stuff because it's just adding to the list. It just keeps growing inside of you. And so by the time I got done praying and reading through this and God started to kind of open my eyes and like clearly show me what was going on, um, it lost all of its power in the moment and I no longer had the frustration that I used to have. And in fact, this is the first time she's ever hearing about this because I never even took the list to her. I, I, I got to the point I'm just like, this isn't, this isn't even a thing. But that only worked because I was willing to list it out and give the details and let God start to work through it in my heart and to bring me through that on the other side. So I don't know what it is for you today or maybe it was last week or maybe it was last year, I don't know. But take some time to sit down and list out your complaints and then pray over them. Take them to the Lord in prayer. And I promise you, He will meet you there. And He will open your eyes and He will help you clearly see what is worthy 
of your complaint and what is not. And sometimes there is. Sometimes there's some stuff that, no, this is still very valid. Great. You're talking to the right person at that point. <laughs> he can do something about it. So take your complaints to God so they can't hold you captive anymore. Right now, they're just stuck in your heart. They're stuck in your head. They've got this power. They're controlling everything in your life. List them. Get them on paper. Pray them to God. Let him show up and do a work. So complain to the right person. Complain for the right reasons, which is to bring them to God so that he can do something about it. And then lastly, point number three today is this. Complain in the right way. In the right way. So I'm going to give you here four steps or four things to do in order to complain in the right way. And I got these from Pastor Mark, Mark Brogup. I've told you several times throughout the series to, to get his book. It's fantastic. Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. And he gives these four steps. This is all straight out of the book. He gives these four steps of how to complain in the right way. So I'm just going to give those to you today as an application step for you as you're thinking about complaining to the Lord. Okay, number one, come humble. First thing we've got to do is come humble with our complaints. Not angry. You can't come angry to God. That's not what we're talking about, right? The heart behind your complaint is what matters most. It's not the complaint. It's not the words. It's the heart that you're bringing to the Lord. And so I never have the right to be angry with God, right? Because when I start getting angry with God, I'm implying that he owes me something. God does not owe you anything. This is like ground level 101 gospel is that we already got more than we deserved. Amen? Right? We're sinners. We're in rebellion. We're coming against God. All we deserve is death and wrath and hell. And yet, God in his grace sent his son Jesus Christ to come to the earth to live a perfect and sinless life and then to go to the cross for us, for our sin. As our substitute, he went and he paid the debt that we owed to God. And he died in our place on the cross and he went to the grave and three days later he rose back to life to prove that he was God and to say, I will forgive you if you will just turn from your sin and come and put your faith in me. All will be forgiven. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've said, no matter what pain you're still holding on to, no matter what struggles you're still wrestling through, bring all of it. Bring all. You don't have to clean it up first. You don't have to make it right first. You don't have to figure it out yet. You need to bring all that to the cross and let Jesus Christ be the one who saves you, who helps you, who gives you grace when you need it most. He has already, for those of us who have come to Christ, He has already given us more than we ever deserved. And so when we come, we come humble. Not angry, not prideful. We come humble, but we still come. He doesn't say, don't, don't, don't talk to me. Don't, don't bring. No, he says, come, bring your complaints, bring your struggles, bring your arguments, bring all of it. Just do it with a humble heart. It means coming with honest pain-filled questions, not pride-filled questions. There's a difference. 
Number one, come humble. Number two, pray the Bible. Step number two is pray the Bible. So lament, the Psalms of lament, these examples of lament, they're in the Bible for a purpose. They're there to help provide boundaries and, and guardrails for our language of complaint. Right? It, it's an example that we can follow. It's a template that we can use to know how to complain rightly to God in a way that is still humble and is still deferential towards Him as the Lord. So, so keep my complaint on track. Keep it moving towards God by using Scripture as your voice. Take one of the Psalms of Lament and use the words to give voice to your own struggles. To give language to your own soul so that you can pray these back to God and let Him work through it. This is why they're there. Pick a lament and use it to pray your pain back to God. That's number two. Pray the Bible. Number three, be honest. None of this works if you're not honest with God. You have to start there. You have to start by trusting your heavenly Father and talking to Him openly and transparently. If you're coming with a false heart, if you're coming with false words, God can't hear that. God can't respond to that because you're already living in deceit. You're already living in sin. You have to come honest to the Lord. And again, he won't be surprised. And a lot of times that's what we're worried about. Like, I, I don't really want to be honest with God about this because then like he's going to know. He already does. So just be honest. Just tell him. And as we start to complain honestly to the Lord, freedom from the pain comes because we are now being open with God who can meet us in the midst of it. To be honest, and then number four, don't just complain. Don't, don't get stuck in complaints. Complaining is good. It's necessary. It's part of the process. But it's just part of the process. It's not the end goal. Some people, they want to get to, they want to, yeah, okay, I'm good. I'm good with the complaint thing. And, but they just stay there. And they just circle around the, the cul-de-sac of complaint. Right? And it's just like this ongoing, forever stuck there. That's all I ever have. That's not the purpose. Don't just complain. Use complaint as a path to move you back towards God, to move you back towards restoration. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a surgeon, right? When a surgeon goes into surgery with their scalpel, they're not going in to cut on the person just to cut them, right? Like that's not the end goal. They're not just wanting to slice up a body. They're cutting in order to bring healing on the backside of the operation. Complaint is the tool we use to do the process so we can get on the other side of it and be in good relationship with God again. It's the tool, it's the path we use to get to healing. We don't stay there. So don't just complain. So four steps, be humble, pray the Bible, be honest, and don't just complain. If you do those four things, you'll have biblical complaint. 
that can help you get to God in the midst of your pain. Because complaining rightly to God in lament lights the path to restoration. This is the way you get there. This is part of the process. It's a good thing. So I want to just give you a moment today just to reflect on this. What complaint do you need to voice to God today? What complaint do you have in your heart, in your head right now that you need to voice to God, that you need to take to Him? What's your question? What's the question that you've been wrestling with that you're like, God, why this? How? What? Like what? Ask Him. Make your list of frustrations. Make your list of complaints and lay them out before the Lord. Don't hold them in. That just prolongs your suffering. Take them to the Lord today. Lay them at the foot of the cross. Let grace come and meet you in the midst of your complaining. He can handle it. He really can. And he's going to use it to bring you through it.